1: Thank you for joining us today. I hope you found the information on last week's show, Business Succession Planning, informative. If you are unable to join us and would like to listen to the show, a link is located under the episode directory on my Voice America page, as well as links for iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. If there are topics you'd find beneficial or questions you have, please feel free to reach out to me at media at com. Now let's learn a little bit more about our guest today. Steve Gavatorta, owner of the Steve Gavatorta Group, specializes in empowering individuals and organizations in identifying, developing, and exceeding performance goals. Steve has had the privilege of coaching and training thousands of high performers across an array of industries. From small businesses on the move to Fortune 500 companies, Steve collaborates with organizations to build foundations, set goals, and eclipse their highest potential. Steve is a certified professional behavioral analyst and certified professional values analyst, a certified Myers-Briggs practitioner, and accredited to coach and train for emotional intelligence. He's a two-time published author, and his new book, In Defense of Adversity, Turning Your Toughest Challenges into Your Greatest Success, won the Richter Publishing's Amazon Bestseller Award for 2018. Steve currently resides in Tampa, and he was also a prior guest on this show on the topic of leading and self-managing during adverse and ambiguous times. If you'd like to listen to that show, it can be found on my Voice America episode listing for May 26th so Steve welcome to the show
2: thank you I'm happy to be, back. Honored I'm, to
1: be back yeah I'm very thankful that you could join us again and for those who didn't hear your background the last time obviously I gave a brief bit right now but can you just explain how you started working with entrepreneurs to help them be more successful
2: sure sure um, I've owned my business Steve Gava group for about 17 years uh, prior to that I spent 22 years in corporate America in primarily sales oriented roles, sales and market- marketing oriented roles. Uh, primarily with the cons- of the consumer package divisions of pharmaceutical companies. So we made products that you would sell to a food, drug or mass merchandiser, or a grocery chain or a drug chain or, or a, a Walmart or a Target, something of that nature. So I spent 22 years in there, really honed a lot of the selling skills we'll talk about today uh, during those times. but. Left corporate America cold turkey to start my business, again, Steve Gavatorta Group, where I work with uh, organizations, entrepreneurs, and helping them grow their sales, do it profitably, and help them uh, drive their top-line sales and, and market share, so to speak. So I will build custom-based programs based on my clients' needs. I'll spend some time in what I call the discovery phase, uncover their respective needs, then build relevant solutions to meet those needs.
1: Mm -hmm, exactly which is the topic we're going to be discussing and so I would love to actually start the discussion with understanding you know your interpretation of the difference between a consultant and a vendor
2: yeah a consultant really spends the time uncovering customer needs not thinking about the the exact product or service they want to sell in the moment they spend the upfront time discovering the customers needs who the key decision makers are what issues are they facing? Um, what are they trying to do f- to grow their business? What's their profitability? Um, what's and they just spend the time discovering as much as they can about their customer, and in turn, they sell relevant solutions that are relevant to that respective customer's needs. They don't try to sell their entire product line to that person or sell them things they don't necessarily need at the time. They really spend that up time upfront time being a consultant understanding those needs and solving again relevant problems through their product or service a vendor typically goes in and they just try to sell you know everything that they have without really uncovering the customer's needs and what i basically say is uh, a, a consultant sells solutions
1: mm-hmm. a
2: vendor sells commodities and when you're, when you're consultative, you're viewed in the eyes of your customer as a solution provider. They view you for the value you bring. When right. your customer views you as a vendor, they're solely looking on pr- at price. When, when you're a commodity, you're equal to all their comp- all your competition, so they're going to beat you down on price that's not a place you want to be. So uh, being consultative, I'm not saying price goes away in total, but it becomes less relevant because the customers view you for the value you're bringing less so than the price of your product.
1: Right. So I think you've started to touch on this then, but can you explain then why being viewed consultatively actually brings a competitive advantage for sales personnel and businesses?
2: Yeah, I've, I'm, I've been in sales a long time, as I said, 22, 21 years in corporate America and 17 in my own business. I obviously have to sell in my world and I train on this topic we're talking about today. So, you know, I will say that if you take everyone out, out there who has to sell in the world, every type of sales, your type of sales, used car salesmen, pharmaceuticals, I'd gather to say 90% of the people would be vendors. They really don't sell understanding their customer needs deeply. They might think they do or they might touch on part of it, but they really don't spend that upfront time. Those those people viewed as consultants really spend that time, uncover those needs, and help their customers grow their business. When they grow their business, you're going to grow your business naturally as well too. And since most of the people are vendors out there, if you can position yourself as that consultant – you're gonna gain that competitive advantage because your customers are gonna be taking you serious, they're gonna be calling you up more because they know that you're the person solving their problems. And you're gonna grow your business via word of mouth and exponentially because your client likes you. Mm -hmm. 90% of my business growth is through word of mouth. That is the least expensive way to market. I I don't wanna spend a dime on marketing if I don't have to. If I can do a great job with my customer, help them succeed, then they are going to recommend me either to do more things within their organization, uh, directly with them as well, too, but also recommend them to others. So it can be a competitive advantage for those customers I'm calling on, but it can be a competitive advantage for me as well, too, by being viewed consultatively.
1: Right. And I think sometimes the customer actually has to realize, you know, that this... um is an important process as well. I know sometimes you know, in our business too, if someone calls and they'll just say, you know, how much are your services? And right. we'll say, well, we need to actually discuss with you right. to learn about your business and figure out what the best solutions are. Often they feel it's just like a waste of their time. Well, I don't want to have to sit there and answer questions, not realizing the reason we're asking those questions right. is to really determine what their needs are. So I think having the customer understand that process is important as well
2: and i'll say this too for 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 the folks out there not all customers are created equal as well too Mm -hmm. you know i want to have as many customers as i I can but they're not all created equal those customers who view me for price only you know i don't um necessarily treat them the same or value them as much as those who truly do see me as that partner with them because those who view me as a vendor they'll go to my competition in a heartbeat because to uh, get a better price, and that's not a profitable way for me to run my business as well too. <clears throat> so if all my customers are beating me up on price, I'm not going to have a profitable business. But if I can have those customers, <clears throat> I can build trust with, build a relationship with, help them grow. They in turn are going to help me grow as well too. And I'll right. say this too, you know, I, I, I'm, 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 um, this is what I focus on. I'm not saying I, I would consider myself an expert, I guess, but. Even with my business, you know, my clients run the various rungs of a ladder. You know, some do view me as that trusted solution provider, that consultant. Some view me, you know, three-fourths that way, 75% that way, some 50% that way. Some still consider me a vendor, and I'm always striving to keep taking those Uh, my clients higher on that rung of the ladder so to speak so they see my value and they see me more than just that price person
1: right and I know today when I had posted about this show again too, to you know share and get the word out you had posted as well that Harley Davidson does not sell motorcycles so can you explain what you mean
2: yeah your customers probably or your audience probably thinks I'm nuts uh, there, there's a great quote I, I, I saw in a book called uh, Reimagined by Tom Peters. Shoot, this is about 20 years ago. And it was a quote it, within the book. He had a quote from a Harley Davidson executive who said, what we sell is the ability for 43-year-old accountants to dress up in black leather drive through small towns, and scare people. <laughs> so so it, it sounds, but what, what he's saying is they don't sell a commodity, a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. They sell an experience. They sell a lifestyle. They sell an emotional connection. So now what they've done effectively is differentiated themselves from Suzuki, Kawasaki, Honda, all those other companies that make Uh, motorcycles so they're viewed in the eyes of their customers differently because they're selling a lifestyle and if you look at it they don't just sell motorcycles they sell jackets they sell headbands they sell boots you know so they have a lot of profitable accessories that can go along with the sale of a motorcycle so yeah a little a little tongue-in-cheek they do sell motorcycles but really what they're selling is that lifestyle they're making themselves viewed consultively or as a solution for those motorcycle buyers, more so than their consume, the, the other their competition, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense?
1: Yep, makes sense yeah. for sure. Yeah. So, why is the solution selling then so important, especially now?
2: Yeah, I talk when I talk solution selling, I basically teach a four-step process. First is discover, and there's two parts to that. Uh, next is planning third is sell or slash consult, and the fourth is execute. 90% of a successful sale is going to fall into the discovery and a little bit into the planning phase. The more work you can do it in your discovery phase, uncovering all those things you need to uncover in your customer, understanding their pain points, understand what's keeping them up at night, if you can do an effective discovery phase, you're going to be able to better align your product line or solution uh, or service relevant to those solutions that customer needs. So why it's more important now, I think because we're working virtual. Well, several reasons. One, I say we're in a fast-paced, high-tech, ever-evolving world. A change is hitting us faster than ever. Adversity is striking us deeper. And the speed at which we people make decisions is getting shorter and shorter. So it's hard to get that face time in front of customers and understand truly what they're going through. So that upfront time discovering, spending that upfront time to uncover those needs is more important now than ever because they are fast paced, high tech, ever evolving world, number one. Number two, with this whole COVID-19 and us having to do things virtually, it's often hard to get that face to face meeting nowadays and do the discovery phase asking questions. So spending that time up front researching on the Internet, talking to people who may be tied to that, uh, tied to your customers or having phone calls with your customer, spending that time in that discovery phase, those people who can do that and do a better job of that virtually are in turn going to be better because they're going to be able to provide those relevant solutions during the, these difficult times.
1: hmm that's so true and I think what we could touch on here too is maybe someone hasn't really done this before and they're learning like oh yes I should have a sit-down conversation if they've never done it like what would you say to them to help them know what types of questions to ask
2: yeah I write what I do is I break down in the discovery phase I talk about something called discovery buckets to your point there's a there's so many things we can ask customers where do we start and um, so I talk about organizing our thoughts with something called discovery buckets. The first discovery bucket are basic things I need to know about that particular customer, where they're located, do they have retail outlets, brick and mortar, uh, Who, uh, where are they located, how many, well, how, what's the size of their business, just basic business things you may need to know about your customer. Two. What is your customer's strategic objectives? What are they doing to drive their top line sales? What's their What do they do uh, philosophically to to bring profit in the business? And what's their strategies around growing their business, their market share? Uh, the third thing, discovery bucket, would be the tactical bucket. Really falling back on the four P's of marketing. What are their tactics? around distribution or their product line, what are their tactics around their pricing strategy, what are their tactics around uh, where their product is literally sold, whether it's in the store or, or in the marketplace, and lastly, what do they do to promote, what are their tactics around promotion. And then last discovery bucket is key personnel. Who are the key personnel you're calling on? Are they decision makers, are they buyers, are they influencers? And really understanding who all the people are I need to connect with in that customer. Is it one person or is it multiple people? And if it's multiple people, who is the ultimate person I need to meet with to uh, present my solutions? So those four discovery buckets can help organize your thoughts. Again, basic knowledge, strategic knowledge, tactical knowledge, and then lastly, key personnel knowledge.
1: That's great. I'm glad that you were able to cover that information too, because I think it will help listeners who maybe want to get started on this understand what they should be really thinking and asking. Um, But, and again, every. Customer is going to have different needs so being yeah. able to listen and understand what services that you offer that can meet those needs uh, is extremely effective and, and important
2: that, that's why i broke it out with discovery buckets i mean is is as, as i said we're in this fast paced high tech low t- low touch world there's so much more information out there now and and it's almost like drinking water out of a fire hose with regard to what we have to know about our customers these four discovery buckets has, have really helped organize our thoughts so we can focus on four main categories and ask questions around those four main categories. If you can ask questions and learn as much as you can about those four categories or discovery buckets, the more you're going to be able to connect the dots with how my product or service can solve for this customer's respective need or their problems or what's keeping up at night.
1: Right. Or maybe you aren't the right fit and you can let them know and then you're still doing them a service by saying you know what I don't think I'm the right fit for you, I can recommend you to you know someone here that can help.
2: So as you said not all as we said earlier not all clients are created equal if they don't find the need in my product or service we're not a good fit if they're viewing me solely as that consultant for a for price only not saying it's a horrible fit but I'm gonna start thinking. You know, what do I need to do to help them view me consultively and will they ever? And that make make me decide whether I want, how much time I'm going to spend with them as well too.
1: Right. Well, it's actually time to take a break. So when we come back, we're going to continue to chat with Steve about solution selling. Are you a consultant or a vendor? You're listening to BizHelp for you with Candy Messer on Voice America Internet Radio. We'll be right back after this brief commercial break.
0: Are you up late at night after a long day's work trying to do your bookkeeping? Are you frustrated with your lack of QuickBooks knowledge or feel you don't understand it at all? Do payroll tax calculations and reporting stress you out? Whether you're a sole proprietor or an officer of a corporation, Affordable Bookkeeping and Payroll Services is here to help. We work with overwhelmed entrepreneurs to remove the burden of bookkeeping and payroll tasks, giving them peace of mind and the freedom to do the parts of the business they love. Our bookkeeping clients include service-based businesses such as medical offices, fast food restaurants, landscapers, and gyms. We also assist franchise owners to create the necessary reports to submit each month. We are a full-service payroll company, assisting clients of 1 to 120 employees. We offer full and self-service options. If you're ready to offload tasks that burden you, reach out to us today at 310-534-5577 or email contact at aband.com dp.com call us today have peace of mind tonight
3: today we live in a truly global environment business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel.
0: If you have a question or comment about the show, send us an email to media at abnp.com. That's media at A-B-A-N-D-P Now, back to BizHelp for You.
1: Welcome back to BizHelp for You with Candy Messer. In the last segment, Steve Gavatorta told us about his background and explained the difference between being a consultant and a vendor. So now let's continue our discussion. So, Steve, why aren't more salespeople more consultative?
2: Yeah, great question. I think there's multiple reasons. I think first and foremost is they just don't know better. You know, they've not had the training or skill sets to become effective. You know, they're given maybe a sales manual or they're giving information to sell the product heavily feature-based, features and benefits-based, but not really given the skills To sell, they may know their product and service very well, but they're not giving those skills of of really uncovering questions, asking questions, uncovering customer needs. So I think the number one thing is training. Now, I was fortunate enough, my first job out of college, I worked for a company called Beecham Products, sold Aquafresh toothpaste, which was probably our biggest product. But all of our upper level management were former Procter and Gamble guys and and ladies. And um, so I received, in a day, that Procter and Gamble is known as the Cadillac of training. So I received that type of training right from the get-go. And I I, I didn't at the time realize how fortunate I was. But as I progressed through corporate America, I found that the companies I worked for weren't training their people like they used to. And I saw it really hurt people's careers. And that's actually one reason I left corporate America was because I felt that there's a need out there and I can provide that need through you know various training development skills, one of which around solution selling. So number one, I think people aren't trained well. Number two I think it could be cultural or leadership based you know the push 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 sell 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 we need to make a number we need to make a number um, and and that forces people not to really th- they're, they're in that vendor mode of selling more and more and more without spending that time to uncover that customer's needs. Now you may get sales out in that route where I'm sure, which I'm sure you do but is it the right type of sale are you watering down margin and hurting long-term business by just you know selling 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 and I think the the third part is just human nature you know we want to sell I fall into this myself I want to sell my product Hmm. I'm passionate about it I want to tell you about it and I want you to buy it you know and I think it's partly that the pressure put on us from a boss the desire to sell the pressure to make a number the pressure to grow our business I think you know training I think the culture and and should just uh Wanting to do our job and be successful probably drive that most when we should really in all these cases Have the right training and step back and really understand what am I what does my product and service do to help this customer? I'm dealing with
1: mm mm-hmm. well and in that description you mentioned you know they talk about features or or you know Benefits or things. you know, what are the differences really can you explain that distinction?
2: Yeah a feature is an attribute associated with a product uh, let's say it's a drill. It's a brushless drill. It has 52 percent more runtime. It has a six-inch, you know, drill that drills five-inch inches deeper, or whatever. Those are all features. The benefit is, what does 52 percent more runtime in this drill or this deeper uh, penetration of that drill do for me as a distributor of those type of tools? Well, it means more productivity for the construction worker, which is what I want to do, give them things that even make them more productive. So a feature is more of a product app attribute. The benefit is what do these attributes do that benefit my direct customer, but that end user customer as well too. I actually like to call them instead of features and benefits attributes and solutions, product mm-hmm. attributes and how do these attributes act as solutions for this respective customer's needs. Does that make sense?
1: Right. So you still might have to explain to them maybe what one of the features is or a few of the features are, but you really should be focusing more on the benefit to them, not on the specifics Absolutely. of that product.
2: I say features are fantastic, but benefits or solutions are better. Because here's the key, Candy in your discovery phase, what you're going to do, you're going to uncover how your benefits are going to solve their problem.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: and that's where, the connect, that's where you connect the dots in the sell phase is through my discovery phase, I'm gonna find out what's keeping my customer up at night. Then when I'm talking about my product or service feature and benefits, yes, I might talk about the feature somewhat, if it's, especially if it's relevant, but I'm really gonna connect the dots between the benefits or solutions of this product and what we talked about in that discovery phase or what I uncovered in that discovery phase. You know, I offer a lot of capabilities in my consulting business. All my capabilities don't um, don't uh, necessarily fit for my client. I've got to spend that discovery time and find out what is relevant to them, what's keeping them up at night. So if I hear my customers say that um, we really need to grow our top line sales, we want to do something around sales. I'm not going to say I'm going to do a sales workshop for you. I'm going to say we're going to build a program together that is going to help you drive those top line sales, so to speak. Mm-hmm. The workshop or the methodology of it doesn't matter as much about as much as that end deliverable, that end benefit, that end solution to, to that respective customer needs. I spend a lot of time with my clients around this. I basically say any business, just about any business, I'd say is in business for three things. One, drive top line sales slash cash flow. Number two, drive profitability. And number three, have some sort of growth mechanism, whether it's growth in market share, whether it's growth in purchasing more of a product than you had in the past, really a a, a method of incrementality for that business. What I help my customers do is align their product service to one, two, or three of those things I mentioned. Because if I hear my customers mention, we're struggling with profit, I'm going to recommend my product, the product or solution in my arsenal that's going to help drive profitability. Mm-hmm. So I do a lot of work in the, um, in the um, uh, uh, with my, one of my biggest clients is Stanley Black & Decker, let's just put it that way. What we've done, we've broken up their client, their product list and how their product list will drive top line sales profitability or market share not all their product listings grow top line sales some of their product listings like nails hammers drill bits those drive profit so what we're doing now is really spending the time asking those questions of those customers and really aligning what we're going to sell today based on what we heard and then focus not so much on the feature but how that benefit of these drills are gonna drive your top line sales or drive your profitability or whatever that might be. Right. Did you follow know what I'm saying there?
1: Mm-hmm right and I know in the first segment we started talking about you know the buckets that you had in the discovery call and then you had the four different areas you know that you need to ask them about and then you know you briefly touched on the different areas you had plan and sell and execute. So is this like a whole process that you teach salespeople like how to be more consultative or like how would they actually learn all of this? Because it's a lot of information we're throwing at them at once, you know. So what would you suggest?
2: Yeah, I mean this is, it's a lot of information at once but this is the process I use. This is a a process called solution alignment selling. And as I said, most of that upfront time I'll do in a workshop is within that discovery phase. Mm -hmm. Now within that discovery phase, I have two parts I break out. The first part of discovery is what I call the human dynamic. The second part is what's called the business dynamic. So these are two buckets of things we need to work on the discovery phase. So within the discovery phase, I first focus on the human dynamic, meaning building trust through effective communication, knowing the behavior or communication style of the person I'm engaging with. Because if I can understand my customer's style, communication style, uh, behavior, personality style, I'm going to be able to better connect with them. Mm -hmm. I gather to say you and all your listeners would agree that trust is the most foundational element of any successful relationship. Would you agree with that?
1: sure, yes.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so if you don't have trust, you're not going to share your information. So I use a lot of uh, behavioral assessments, one particularly called DISC. To help my clients read, they'll know they'll understand their style, their disc style first, their personality style first, and that includes how they behave, how they communicate, how they're motivated, how they deal change, risk, and conflict, how they make decisions. So the salesperson realizes for themselves first. Then I teach them through instructional videos to read the behavior of their customers, so they can better connect, interact, and engage with them. So let's say I'm a Type A personality. I'm aggressive. I'm very forceful. I'm direct. I'm a, you know I'm really aggressive, and my customer's very quiet, shy, mm-hmm. a number cruncher, highly analytical. There's a chance I'm going to shut that person down by being overly aggressive with them. I'm not going to build trust that way. And if I don't have trust, they're not going to share those items within those four uh, discovery buckets I'd mentioned earlier. You mm-hmm. follow what I'm saying? Yes. So For the sure. number one thing within discovery is building trust through effective communication, getting your customers to dialogue. Second part of discovery is then now I'm going to go into looking at those four discovery buckets and really uncover their needs. So I'm building trust through understanding their style and, and being more of a chameleon. And then I'm getting them to talk and understanding their business. Once I do that, now I can build a plan and now I can sell and, and follow through on the uh, execute phase so as I said earlier 80 90 percent of that successful sales done is done in that discovery phase I Mm -hmm. use a quote from Abraham Lincoln I think it's something like this if it took takes nine hours to chop down a tree I'm gonna spend the first six hours sharpening my axe
1: Mm, smart
2: (laughs) Right, right so that's what the discovery phase does first you know building that trust getting your customer open up then getting them to share their information now i can step back in the planning phase and say you know what what i first thought their needs were may not be exactly what they were but i can attack it this way or i can mm-hmm. recommend this and that is going to help you be, become more successful during that specific selling phase and when you're in that selling phase heavily emphasize once again the benefits because that's what you're going that's going you're going to tie into what you've discovered in the discovery phase Right. It's powerful. <laughs> well,
1: and I know until you know COVID really hit, most of the time salespeople were probably having those face-to-face interactions, and now, of course, we're supposed to be doing everything virtually. So, yeah. I mean, do you have any tips on you know how maybe it's a little bit different from face-to-face versus on the phone or maybe through you know a Zoom or Skype or something like this, like how they can handle that?
2: yeah, I think again, it's it, you're gonna have to spend as much time in that. Dis- I think you're gonna have to spend time pre- planning for your discovery phase. Let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. What am I going to spend time on before that I can uncover on my own to help me understand this customer first? Secondly, what do I need to prepare for for this short time I have this person in a in a virtual dialogue or a or a uh, phone dialogue? to really make sure I'm asking the right questions in a pithy manner so we can get more done. You know, I think it's easier for someone to say in a, in a virtual meeting or a phone call to say, okay, I can't talk anymore. I have to hang up. I got to do other things than it is in person. So I think it's, it's greater preparation, doing as much homework as you can up front to prepare you accordingly for that call, making that discovery phase as productive as possible.
1: Mm -hmm. yeah it's so true because again like you're saying it's building that relationship and it may not be as easy over the phone or, you know, through video chat or, or different things too, but doing what you can to really get to know that person as much as possible. And if you can see them through video and at least connect, you know, and see each other, I think that's a little bit better than just over the phone. But a lot of times we still just have to do it even over the phone and just kind of understanding that process.
2: Well, this when I talk about the discovery phase, the human dynamic, you know, that being able to profile the behavior style or personality style of your customer can still work over the phone by things they're saying, by sensing their demeanor or seeing them on the virtual meeting, seeing how they're responding. But it is going to be tougher than meeting mm-hmm. them in person. So, you know, honing your skills to really be astute um, and be listening. Put your listening uh, hat on and, and don't be so interested in talking. Try to get them in a dialogue. And, and I always say it's more important Uh, You want to have a dialogue, not a monologue. You don't want to, as I I get a lot of laughs in workshops, say you don't want to show up and throw up. You want to have a dialogue with your customer. I would rather have a dialogue with the customer, only get through my presentation 50%, than get my presentation through 100% and not have had a dialogue. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Let's put it that way. So.
1: And that's true. I think a lot of times do people do think too, oh, I have this whole thing I have to get through in an hour, you know, or half an hour, whatever that time is. But what you just said, I think is really important.
2: That's a massive issue. The the thing feeling that I need to get through this deck. I created it and I need to get through this deck. That's a massive problem. And I think once again, as I said earlier, when that high tech, low tech, ever evolving world, um, Information is is at our fingertips more than ever and I think that is lending to people to want to put more in a presentation and present more to people than they necessarily need to without again, having a good dialogue up front first and then when they are presenting, you know, touch base with that key decision maker or that buyer or customer, see what they're thinking, ask them a question, get them dialoguing back so it turns into again a dialogue not a monologue. Mm -hmm. And once again, the more I can understand my customer's personality style, the issues they're facing, the more honed in and and buttoned up my presentation is going to be Mm
3: -hmm. because I'm going
2: to build a presentation relevant to his or her style, short, long, heavy data, not a lot of data. And I'm going to also align solutions relevant to what I've understood that they told me. So we're we're not not wasting each other's time. We're getting in there fast and furious and we're, we're going to town.
1: Right. And I guess that just means be comfortable with the information that you're going to share and not have to think it has to go in sequence, right? Like I first have to say this and then I have to say that, right? If you just know what you need to share based on what they're saying, like your presentation can go totally different than you might have thought.
2: Exactly. And that's what it should be. I, you know, I'm of the mindset less is less is more And many times. I'll tell you a lot of cl- first client meetings I have. I. I would say 70, 60% of the time, I don't even pull out my my capabilities presentation. We just start talking. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Now I can step back based on what they're telling me and either verbalize my capability to them or at least pull the presentation out that I have and only focus on certain pages that are relevant to what they spoke about. And it's perfectly okay to have a dialogue and say, listen, I built this deck, especially if it's a new client. I built this information and based on what we're ta- we've talked about, you know, I'm going to skip a few pages here if you don't mind. Let's get the things I think you're going to really enjoy and how I can help you grow your business or or sleep better at night or, or gain more customers, things of that nature.
1: Mm-hmm. Perfect. Well, it's actually time to take another quick break. So be sure to hang around to hear more from Steve Gavatorta of the Steve Gavatorta Group on solution selling. Are you a consultant or a vendor? We'll be right back after this brief commercial break.
0: From the boardroom to you, Voice America
3: Business Network.
0: Are you up late at night after a long day's work trying to do your bookkeeping? Are you frustrated with your lack of QuickBooks knowledge or feel you don't understand it at all? Do payroll tax calculations and reporting stress you out? Whether you're a sole proprietor or an officer of a corporation, Affordable Bookkeeping and Payroll Services is here to help. We work with overwhelmed entrepreneurs to remove the burden of bookkeeping and payroll tasks, giving them peace of mind and the freedom to do the parts of the business they love. Our bookkeeping clients include service-based businesses such as medical offices, fast food restaurants, landscapers, and gyms. We also assist franchise owners to create the necessary reports to submit each month. We are a full-service payroll company, assisting clients of 1 to 120 employees. We offer full and self-service options. If you're ready to offload tasks that burden you, reach out to us today at 310-534-5577 or email contact at a b a n dp.com
3: call us today have peace of mind tonight today we live in a truly global environment business can more easily be conducted now in almost any part of the world How do you, as a business owner or professional, navigate the ever-changing business landscape? Tune in to Leadership Beyond Borders with host Kimberly J. Lewis. With a worldwide resource of guests, you'll find out what opportunities and challenges surround diverse and virtual organizations. Listen live every Tuesday at 3 p.m. U.S. Pacific time on the Voice America Business Channel.
2: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
0: You are listening to BizHelp For You. If you have a question or comment about the show, send us an email to media at abnp.com. That's media at aband Now, back to BizHelp For You.
1: Welcome back to BizHelp For You with Candy Messer. Today, I'm chatting with Steve Gavatorta of the Steve Gavatorta Group. Let's find out a bit more information from him on being a consultant rather than a vendor. So, Steve, we've been covering a lot of information now in these two segments on, you know, again, asking those questions, building that relationship, and going from there. So, now you're saying, you know, the sale isn't done once you have an agreement. So, can you touch on that as well?
2: Yeah, this is actually quite important because most people think when we sign on the dotted line or we do the handshake or we come to the agreement, that oh it's over we're done and and the problem is there's the last step called execution <laughs> the execution phase once this sales executed we need to do what I call summary of agreements who is responsible for what what are the time frames to do it and what needs to be done because so often sales fall out of bed because of poor execution something didn't happen on the back end someone dropped the ball uh, and, and it didn't do their job, and we lost the sale because of that. So the, so many salespeople, this is another thing that differentiates a vendor from a consultant. A consultant sees that sale through. They are good at following through on the execution. They know what they are to do, what are the tasks involved, who needs to do it, and by when, and they hold themselves accountable, and they hold those people accountable with, on their customer side. You know typically and it's a good accountability tool too because typically what happens is if a sales falls goes goes awry all right you get blamed you know you didn't do X Y Z but if you followed through with a good execution phase and the ball was dropped on their end well most likely you're gonna get blamed anyhow but still there's a part of that where you're gonna be able to have evidence say no we covered this X Y Z your people were supposed to do this or so-and-so was supposed to do this and it didn't happen. What do we need to do now to fix that? So that at least gives you an opportunity for to recoup that sale or give another chance to be successful. If you want to build a long-term loyal relationship you have to be good at execution because a good an excellent executed sale means good potential more business for you via that word of mouth. It was a total experience. Uh, if you dropped the ball on the sale or it didn't go as promised, there's a good chance that customer's not going to deal with you again or they're going to go back and treat you like what? A vendor. And that's mm-hmm. not where we want to be. Um, if, if we follow through with that execution phase, we have a big successful uh, program or product. Um, then there's a great chance they're going to call us again. There's a great chance they're going to recommend us again. There's a great chance they'll give us a testimonial that can help grow our business. So execution is often the forgotten step and highly important.
1: Right. Well, I thought of two things, you know, as you were discussing that. And the first thing was usually there's a support team that's actually helping with part of this so the salesman gets the sale but then there's you know administrative staff who are doing some of this so really there has to be you know between all of the people kind of that flow and making sure that someone else doesn't drop the ball because the salesman could have sold it but the admins might forget to send the contract or something might not be in there so i think having that good process set up is is extremely important as well
2: well, I have a friend in the real estate business going through that type of thing now. She's doing a terrific job on the sales end of things and, 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 and getting all the paperwork aligned, getting everything right with the customer, and some things are falling out of bed internally. More more, it's not really her fault, but they're falling apart internally, which is could potentially hurt her, you know, from the uh, from the client perspective as well, too. So, you know, she's excellent at that execution phase and trying to hold people accountable. To ensure they they get done what they need get done. It, it's it's not easy. It's depending on the product, the service, the company, the hands in the in that pie are going to vary. The more right. hands in that pie, the more the more opportunity for error and mistakes. So it's imperative for you as that consultant to make sure you know who all has their hands in that pie. What are the processes, both from our side and the customer side, to ensure that sale goes smoothly? Because again, that is going to determine the long-term success of your relationship with with that customer. And how they are going to view you—a consultant or a vendor. So
1: right. And the other thing I was thinking of while you were talking about that and the execution was when you do have that agreement spelled out and what are you going to do and what's expected of them. It kind of helps avoid any misunderstandings or miscommunications because it's all there and it's documented and everyone kind of knows what's expected. So that that's fun. really helpful.
2: Yeah, I, mean, I, I have a passion for this because back in my day when I was in consumer packaged goods, we sold toothpaste displays and, and you know, all these displays of our products to go in a grocery store. Well, we would sell or the pe- my people would sell a, or I would sell a display into a corporate headquarter. You know, 500 displays of uh, a product, uh, Aquafresh toothpaste to publish grocery stores. Well, that was great. I made the sale. But you know what? When that display ends up in the public's store stockroom. It's not guaranteed to get out there right away.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: right. <laughs> so you know it was always a push to get the people at retail to ensure they were getting that product out on the floor because the sell-through didn't go through until the customer bought this toothpaste. So I'm really passionate about this execution phase because I've seen it deter. You, know, you can have the greatest discovery process in the world, have an awesome plan, make the greatest sale, big sale, but if you drop that ball in an execution phase, it's going to blow everything up. So, mm-hmm. do not forget that part of the uh, part of the sales process because you do it well, and it's going to mean more business for you.
1: Right. And I know you mentioned that you have a golden teddy bear story. So, can you share that with us?
2: Oh, yeah. This ties into really. Um, it's a great story. It's about uncovering customer needs and 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 making those emotional connections. A little bit of a tie to the Harley Davidson story, but it's really a great story. Um, I do some more, I done some work with Pandora jewelry and we were talking about consultive selling in the, in the uh, speaking engagement I did with Pandora and one of the store managers shared a wonderful store, uh, story with the folks in the room I was with that I was training. And she said, she again, she was a store owner and she said there was a woman that came to her store, not dressed real, real fashionable. She, her, she had like a t-shirt on a little dirty. Um, walked in her store, and one of her um, clerks engaged her, and she kind of, I, the clerk looked at her, and looked at her, how she was dressed, assumed, you know, she can't spend a lot of money. Well, she, she asked, what are you looking for, ma'am? And the ma'am said, I'm looking for a, a teddy bear, you know, some sort of teddy bear trinket. So the woman sold her, not thinking she could spend a lot of money, sold her a silver teddy bear trinket for her wrist. For those of you who don't know what Pandora does, they do jewelry, trinket type jewelry. So the woman bought the $50 teddy bear, uh, silver teddy bear and left. About a year or six months later, that same woman comes in dressed the same way. This time the store manager engages her, starts looking at the trinkets on her wrist and said, I, what are you interested in? She said, I, I, I like teddy bears. And she said, I see you have a silver teddy bear on your wrist, why is a teddy bear so important to you? The woman almost broke down and started crying, her eyes watered up and she said, I lost my mother a few years ago and for my birthday every year, she used to always buy me a teddy bear. Mm. So, let me ask you Candy, do you think that store manager was able to upsell that woman to a $500 gold teddy bear?
1: I think so, because it's the meaning behind it, not just what the item is itself.
2: Bingo. She sold her the $500 gold teddy bear. So there's many morals to that story. Don't assume you know what your buyers want. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't assume by looking at them, you know, you know, or, or by just by initial discussion or glance, you know what they want. Um, really try to break out and ask those questions. That first clerk made assumptions, didn't ask questions, didn't engage Yeah, she sold her a teddy bear, but a $50 one versus what's the margin of a $500 one. Mm -hmm. Um, So don't assume, you know, uncover those needs and then you're going to be able to uh, make that emotional connection and then you're going to be able to sell that relevant solution to that, to the respective needs. And I think it was a great consultant selling story, the other clerk treated that customer Like she was a vendor, like she didn't have money to spend, I'll sell her something cheap. When essentially that woman was ready to spend some money because it meant something to her. It was that emotional connection, very similar to what Harley-Davidson does with their customers. They make that emotional connection. So a good consultant is able to do that through their questioning and listening skills, through that discovery phase. They're going to be able to connect the dots between the benefits of this respective product. And that emotional connection of what it means to that end user or that key decision maker.
1: Right. So we're getting close to the end of the show. But I would love to know, do you have any like final tips on someone how to increase their sales during these times?
2: Yeah, I just fight tooth and nail to be consultively. <laughs> that's, that's what I'd be viewed consultatively. Again, I think it's pressure packed times like this where people may start panicking they may become shorter than normal and I think it's the exact opposite thing you should do you should step back listen your customers whether they're a brick and mortar store whether a person we're all going through some tough times together if you can use this these crazy times to be a solution provider a problem solver to help your customers sleep at night and feel better then you're gonna be successful. So I think be consultively, focus on being consultively, and you only do that with really taking that upfront time, unco- making those human connections, number one, through that human dynamic, number two, uncovering that th- those needs just as that store manager did with that woman, and then ma- make those relevant solutions based on what you heard. Again, mm-hmm. just like that, uh, the store manager did, you know, she asked the good question, She probed, and she made that emotional connection. She was able to upsell from a fifty-dollar item to a five hundred-dollar item. So, I hope that an- that was—that was a model. Perfect. I hope that <laughs> yes. Well. So, okay.
1: well, what I would love for you to do now is just you know share a little bit more about that book that you have, and how can people reach you?
2: Yeah. Um. For those of you, uh, we uh, Candy mentioned earlier, I published a book about a year and a half ago called In Defense of Adversity turning your toughest challenges into, into your greatest success and it's not a direct sales oriented book but there's a lot of good insights in that book that can help you become better at sales by understanding um, how our brain functions under stress we can in turn help ourselves become a better salesperson under duress or in difficult moments in addition we can help understand our clients better and help keep them in what I call the optimal buying frame of mind versus a non emotional productive one. So there's a lot of good selling insights and tips in that book. In addition, I dig deep into that behavioral assessment. I talked about DISC as well too. So folks can learn a little bit about themselves, especially how they deal with adverse times and they can learn about greatly about how they deal with other people during difficult times so we can in turn leverage adversity to our advantage rather than make it uh, you know help us thrive in these times as I say rather than just survive them
1: and would they reach you by your website or phone number how would you want them to call you or reach you yeah to
2: reach out to if you want to purchase the book in defense of adversity it's uh, on Amazon Um, easy to find on Amazon paperback hardback free audio version if you have audible and then ebook, and f- you can uh, feel free to uh, call me at 813-777-9414, email address is steve at gavatorta.com, that's my last name, g-a-v-a-t-o-r-t-a.com, and that's the same domain name as my website, so visit me there as well too, and feel free to Google me, check out my YouTube site, There's plenty of great uh content on there, a lot of great selling skills type of stuff, negotiation skills, um, a lot of great videos that can uh, help you take your sales to the next level. And again, understand a lot of uh, the stuff around uh, behavior and communication styles too.
1: Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Steve, for being a guest on my show today. And I do want to thank the listeners also for tuning in. I hope you found this topic interesting and that it answered some questions about solution selling. Are you a consultant or a vendor? If you have any additional questions or comments, be sure to reach out to Steve at the links he shared, or you can send us a message at media at ab and and would you please share our show information with those you know i'd really appreciate your support next week's topic is three high performance habits for success and resilience i hope you can join us for this presentation and please remember you can connect with us on twitter facebook and linkedin and my website is www.abandp.com Links can be found on my Voice America page. Remember to tune in each Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And if you can't join us for the live show, you can find the episode saved on the business channel on voiceamerica.com or find the podcast posted on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Until next time, have a great week.
0: Thank you for listening to bizhelp for You. Please join your host, Candy Messer, again next Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a terrific week.